Hello, welcome to Apple Chat. My name's Benjamin, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Joey. Hey, how's it going? And today we're talking about The Crying Game, which is a movie that uh, one of our biggest fans, one of the biggest uh, followers of the podcast, my own mom, uh, she recommended. So thank you, mom, for recommending The Crying Game. This is a drama directed by Neil Jordan. The cast includes Finch the Vampire, Forrest Pistaker, the almighty god Raw, and Harold Zidler. I watched this movie on YouTube. Joey, how did you watch it? I watched it on Amazon Video. All right, Joey, give us that synopsis. A member of the IRA takes the piss out of an English soldier. Yes, sir. That is The Crying Game, a uh, 1992 movie that I was uh, totally unaware of before my mom uh, asked me to do a, an episode about it. Um, and it's quite a memorable film. Yeah, I would say that. Do you want to? Yeah, go to your con. I mean, your pros. I mean, yeah. Okay, let's let's start with the pros here. Um, I think this is a very ambitious love story, uh, and I think that. For me, that's the best aspect of this movie. It, it's like, I mean, let's just let's just break it down here. It is a uh, a guy who basically ends up killing somebody, but while he's doing that, he gets to he knows he finds out about that guy's uh, girlfriend, and then he becomes part of a uh, relationship with that girlfriend. And that girlfriend ends up being transgender, uh, and he has to like come to terms with that. And I think that's like that's obviously different. I've never seen that before in a movie. <laughs> yeah, and so true. and so I appreciate that. It's novel. Um, I also really love the character of Cole, the bartender. Yeah, uh, I I was like that is the type of bartender that would lead me to becoming a regular at a bar. Maybe um, you, you get to say this guy. Uh, you get to say how have the usual call. Yes, and especially because he's so self aware about being a regular, and he's like, you get to you get to say the usual. Like he knows that you know. That's like yeah. That's uh. So I like that about, and also just how he was kind of the intermediary, which now that I'm saying it out loud, uh, kind of reminds me, ah, we'll, we'll get into the, the, the plot of the whole, the troubles. I'm getting ahead of myself here. Yeah. I really uh, like that actor though. Yeah. Uh, Jim Broadbent. He was in uh, cloud Atlas. Uh, he was really good in that. Okay. Too. Yeah. And he was great. Uh, great as a bartender in, he's in a ton of the stuff, Metro. He's kind of like a, he's, he's kind of a lesser known actor, but I see him in a lot of things and he's always great. He's also in Moulin Rouge, which is the reference to the casting list. Okay. And, uh, and also, I think that this movie has a message it's trying to get across, and it delivers uh, well on that. And we'll elaborate on that as we move forward. Yeah, I, I agree with the, that last bit especially. This movie succeeds in what it's trying to do very well. Um, and the acting is just incredible. I think this might be the best acted movie we've done on the podcast. Wow, that's uh, high praise. I, I think so. Um, there, yeah, really good performances from Stephen Ray, uh, Forrest Whitaker, and Jay Davidson. And just like you said, it's a really unique love story. Um, but just like any good love story, it's classically tragic. Nice. All right, moving on to the cons. Uh, why don't you go first? Okay. I feel like this movie unfolds pretty slowly. I, um, 
Uh, I knew what the twist was <laughs> before I saw this movie. Okay, I was gonna and <laughs> and I guessed like I wasn't entirely sure, but I, I guessed it almost immediately when um because I, I I knew that this movie dealt with transgender issues, ah, okay. but I didn't know how it was gonna show up in the movie. But as soon as Forrest Whitaker says, uh, "She's not my type." I knew that Dill was a man. <laughs> so wow, okay. I was not surprised at all. So seeing that unfold so slowly was really frustrating for me. I was like, okay, get to the point. Where's it going to happen? Um, I was also really upset with Fergus and Jimmy's character, like his character. Although unlike other uh, movies where the main character, I felt like I couldn't relate to. In this one, I felt like I understood what his motivation. I understood why he was doing what he was doing. I just didn't agree necessarily with what he was doing. But I... I was more sympathetic, I think. And that says a lot about uh, Stephen Reeves performance. And I'm also confused about whether this movie, like how this movie is, is accepted by the transgender community or like the LGBTQ community in general. How do they see this movie? Is this movie about acceptance? I don't, I don't know. Okay. And yeah, I, uh, I, I agree with that. I'm not going to pretend to be a uh, spokesperson for the LGBTQ community. So I like, I can po- I can also pose that question with you, but I can't really do anything beyond. Yeah, that. I don't expect us to come to an answer, but it's something we I feel like we should talk about. Sure. Um, I also I think this movie is a little bit slow at times. I would say the pacing is a bit inconsistent, um, but yeah, you I can, agree with that. Yeah, it, it can. It, well, go ahead. It's like I mean, because there's all this like there's this very intense action for very brief amounts of time. Yes, and then that's intercut by this really delicate like emotional jousting match you know where it's like all there's all these levels to it about like who knows what and how much do they know and it's uh i don't know it's it's kind of like they put in the action to keep you in keep you invested in a way or keep a certain type of audience member invested Mm -hmm. um but i don't think that's unearned either but i agree that the pacing is kind of it's like a roller coaster yeah it's jarring slow you know, you wait in line for two hours, then you go on the roller coaster for like two minutes. <laughs> that was my roller coaster impression. And then, and then you stop and you're like, oh, yeah, I guess that was it. Yeah. No, yeah. I, I, uh, I, that you put it perfectly. That's exactly how I felt about it, too. Um, I also think that it's tough to care about the political conflict backdrop without really knowing the subject matter. Um, I came into this movie. Uh, my mom actually warned me. She was like, make sure you leave yourself time to do some his- like some research after you watch this movie or else you're oh, not really, really going to understand the context. And she's exactly right. I think uh, that without knowing the context, the political backdrop of the troubles in Ireland, um, you you lose a little bit of the meaning behind this movie. Um, and, we'll, and we'll get into that a little bit more Um Right now, actually, because we're moving yeah. into our Tell overall me all about it. I don't know anything about the Troubles. Yes, yeah, so it's so this story takes place during the Troubles in Ireland, which is the Troubles is a good euphemism for basically a thirty-year civil war um, <laughs> over how Ireland should be governed, which started in the '60s and lasted until the '90s. Um, it was a so basically, again, this is a very brief overview. This is a pretty this is a conf, this is a complex political conflict 
that I didn't know anything about before watching this movie. So do not, this is not a history podcast. Um, <laughs> uh, so <laughs> I'm just going to give you what I learned from watching some YouTube videos and uh, the Wikipedia articles. So basically, okay. it was like the unionists, which were uh, people in Ireland who wanted to be part of the United Kingdom and nationalists who wanted the, the Ireland to govern itself or have more power in governing itself. Uh, and the English military uh, came in. Well, basically, the Unionists and Nationalists were getting violent, so the English military came in to act as an intermediary and try to quell some of the violence, which sort of didn't work. Uh, I mean, the fact that it lasted for so long would tell you something about that. So it was really violent. A lot of people got hurt. A lot of people got killed. Um, and it was uh, it was troubles <laughs> for them. Was this going on in 1992? I think it was, like, ending. Okay, but I, I I'm not sure because it, it it I don't know if it, it had like an ending. I don't know. I don't know the answer okay. to that question. Um, but because I lacked the this like prior knowledge, it felt like the motivations behind the hostage situation were confusing at best and downright manufactured at worst. Um, like, Do you still feel that way after reflecting on it? Like if you had seen the, if you watched the movie again, knowing what you know now, I think if I knew even more like if i did spent more time researching this or maybe even lived through it right like if i was alive sure. during the time and like this was part of the news i think i would probably appreciate it more um it almost i feel like the way the movie treats the troubles is just like this is so obviously what's happening we don't even have to tell you what's happening okay. right um so yeah. yeah maybe for the people at the time it would make more sense um but i mean you can still enjoy the movie without it right it's like a it, it the movie could have uh, kind of covered up, made this uh, not age itself by focusing more on making them just pawns in a larger political uh, conflict, right? And like sure. kind of talking about that, which they kind of do. Jody talks about how this is a tour of duty for him, and when it's over, it's over, right? He's not necessarily super invested in the conflict. He's just serving. It's just a job. It, yeah, it's just a job. He's just a soldier. Uh, and he, you know, he's excited to go back home. Uh, versus Fergus, who talks about how it's more of a lifestyle for him. There is no end for him. This is, uh, but he says that yeah. without a lot of, uh, it doesn't feel like he's very enthusiastic about this being his lifestyle. He's not like, I'm fighting for what's right. Like, this is the only way I have to do this. It's more, he's like, yeah, I'm, I'm this is my life now. You know, um, I this have is, to do yeah, this. Well, I don't know. It was, it was interesting. And yeah, the context of the rest of the movie i feel like th you're the way you described it is more accurate but in that moment when i was first watching it it seemed like he was he felt like he had no other choice right like yeah his his livelihood his life would be so affected otherwise that he needs the only thing he could do is to fight you know the english right. and join the ira right right and maybe that is obvious or you know if you, if you have more context that seems like it's like oh clearly he, this is his motivation but i feel like the movie doesn't play up those aspects very very much so to somebody who again lacks the context uh then he, it seems like fergus is lacking motivation um so I still think the acting is fine, and it's just I, I I felt like there were times where we spent so much time with these two talking to each other. Maybe we could have played up a little bit more of the motivation and and kind of brought the conflict uh, into the context without having to have so much prior knowledge. Um, I don't know if I like completely agree with that because like no matter how 
you whatever what kind of research you do about this this like troubles this conflict yes you're always going to the movie's always going to portray it differently you know like it's it was very it felt like it was very sympathetic toward the ira it was very humanizing of them and it made jody kind of look like an idiot or like an animal you know so i felt like like they were on the ira's side at least at least to make you sympathetic toward fergus but like in the end it all comes down to the interaction between a man and a hostage you know yes like the, so like and i feel like that was enough that's all you needed you know and then they just become human people it doesn't matter what their conflict is and they're in there for different reasons but those are vague enough that like anyone can kind of relate to it doesn't have to come in with that context i guess i guess i would have have a better appreciation for where they were coming from Mm -hmm. but i didn't feel like it was unearned i felt like it was a it was like a simplified it was like this is the backdrop but this is we're going to put in the situation, we're going to manufacture the situation so that we have a man and a hostage and they have to interact with each other and display their own like philosophy on life and everything. And whatever is the hot button issue at the time, that's what we're going to capitalize on. So I don't know. I, what do you think? Well, I agree with you. I, I, I'm, tr- I'm trying to put this the right way because I don't want to undermine what I think is one of the more compelling parts of this movie, which is that interaction between captor and uh, captive, where you're not necessarily being super cruel to them. But because I wasn't totally understanding why Fergus was there or why he felt like he needed to be a part of this, right. I, I, I was confused. I was like, okay, if you don't want to... If if you don't want to follow all, what all of the IRA is telling you to do regarding this captive or this uh you know this uh person that you've captured, then why are you here? I I just felt like you we placed Fergus here, but it didn't really make sense for him to be there. Uh, yeah, and then, I, I yeah that makes a lot of sense. And again, like in the, with the context of the rest of his actions throughout this movie, it definitely seems that way. He's very he definitely he like barely makes any decisions on his own. He's always told what to do, told what to think. You know, told what to say, all this stuff. He's he's very malleable, mm-hmm. um, and he gets kind of put into this situation, and his inherent goodness makes everything a little bit worse for him. You know, makes it everything a little harder for him. But like, how did he get here in the first place? Right, this is a pretty good. Question. I guess you could assume that it's just other people told him to, and he was like, "Oh, I'm Fergus. I guess I'll do it." That seems like it. Though. <laughs> it really does seem like it. Um, but again, uh. I like obviously he needed to be in this situation and I do think they cover up kind of this like lack of motivation by focusing harder on the theme uh, about like people doing things because that is their nature uh, which obviously we will get into a little bit more Um, but I just felt the 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 whole conflict I think you can enjoy this movie without knowing anything about the uh, the troubles because it's you know, it's easy to get on board with like a political conflict with, you know, uh, people having motivations to kill each other. Like it's not that you don't have to, it's not that deep fam, you know, like you can just, you can just enjoy it for what it is, what the movie portrays it to be. Um, but I do think this movie starts to hit its stride a little stronger when it, when we go across the the water and get to England, where uh, the, the conflict or or rather the uh, focus of the movie is more on the relationship regarding Dill. Yeah, I, I mean, that's the most compelling part and the most memorable part of this movie. I think it's so interesting how they start the first 30 minutes are in a completely different location in time, you know, and there's only really one character 
that survives to the end. And then I guess I guess Jude and Peter make it to the end too, but they don't. That's kind of a bigger twist. It's like, oh, they survived. They were still here, right? right? The like you just kind of assume that like the story is starting over almost. It's like a whole entirely different situation. Um, but they spend a lot of time setting that up so that you understand why Fergus is doing what he's doing and like his whole conflict with, you know, falling in love with Dill um, before he knows that, you know, she's a man. But yeah, okay. So the, I think this movie, this movie's love story is extremely interesting and unique. And I feel like the plot itself is very symmetric, even though it is unusual. There's like, you know, it starts off with Forrest Whitaker being tied up um, or well, actually it starts off with him being tricked by a woman um, and then he gets tied up. Same thing happens to uh, Fergus in this movie. He gets tricked and then you could argue he's tricked. I feel like he is. <laughs> <laughs> um, and whether or not he sh- like he was fooled, whether or not he it was intentional or not is a different question. If that makes any sense. He um, and then he's tied up at the end. And of course, you know, in one situation, Forrest Whitaker dies because he was tied up in this situation. Um, Fergus survives because he was tied up. Mm-hmm. So there is this nice kind of symmetry that goes on throughout. And the ending is very satisfying. It feels like everyone kind of gets what they deserve. You know, Dill gets out alive and um, and she's she's fine. Um, Stephen Reed's character, uh, Fergus, is locked up as he should be because he's a maniac. Uh, <laughs> well, he's he's um, another way to look at it is he's uh, sacrificing for someone else. Like he's uh, he's he's doing good for somebody else. Yeah, definitely. But uh, he, like, I feel like that's kind of a mischaracterization of characterization of the situation that that he put Dill in. You know, like he's the reason that Jude came to the apartment to kill him. That's true. Right. You know, like, it's definitely his fault. There's no way, like, Dill may have pulled the trigger, but that situation was 100% Fergus's fault. So, yeah, I, I don't feel bad for him being in prison. I feel like that's where he belongs. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, and there's also, like, the, the cinematography in this movie is beautiful. That very first shot where they're under the pier and it's just kind of slowly moving. The way I... Okay, so I you liked this, that shot? I thought it was cool. I um see, I was like I was paying attention to the to the song and I was like, you know, I was I felt like I was being immersed into this story, you know. I was like, what's gonna happen? Well, what I, is this about? I kept waiting for it to cut and it didn't. So I, I don't know. I'm not a cinematographer, although I did get cinematography merit badge when I was in Boy Scouts. Um, yes, oh, I know, I know you're <laughs> impressed. I uh, <laughs> but <laughs> look at this badass over here. <laughs> <laughs> but I didn't, I didn't know where they were going with that long cut because I'll be honest. When I heard this was like a political conflict, I expected us to watch that fair and then have it get bombed at the end, oh, like yeah. explode or something. They're like, look how tranquil, like like peaceful human society is. <gasps> something like that. But no, it- okay, so I, I got a good word for you. The there, There's a many of these shots. There's a lot of these shots where the camera pans very slowly over like a crowd or something or like moves very slowly from person to person. Mm-hmm. It's kind of, you know, it, there's this slow tracking and very methodical, very smooth. And the word that I found that um, I, I feel like describes this in this whole movie is longing. The, oh. the, the shots in this movie portray this tone of longing, um, longing for lost love, perhaps, that I found 
Very nice, actually. Yeah. So, I like that stuff. I do like that. Um, all of the actors, especially Stephen Ree, Forrest Whitaker, and Jay Davidson, are just incredible. Uh, their characters, although I feel like difficult to relate to necessarily from my point of view, all feel very real and very consistent. And the twists in this movie are very, are very much deserved and earned because of the standout performances. The, I feel like it's easy to say that this movie is going for a lot of shock value, but I don't think that it stands on that. There, there are shocking moments, I guess, but the movie works even if you know what the twists are. Okay. You know? Well, especially because you saw one of the biggest twists coming, so. Yeah. And you know why that is? Because I've seen uh, Ace Ventura. Which Ace Ventura has that song in it. Um, that yeah, has the crying he, uh, game song. When he finds out that uh, Einhardt is Finkel or whatever his name is. When he finds out that what's, his, what's her name is a, is a man like, uh, hiding. Um, he does the same thing that Stephen Reed does, which is throw up in the bathroom. And then he, goes, he takes it to the next level where he starts burning all his, all his clothes. And he takes like a shower and he's like, crying and stuff. It's very... It's, I'm not sure. I'm sure. I think I remember because I saw Ace Ventura only like a couple of years ago. And I feel like when I saw that, I was like, I don't know if this holds up anymore. <laughs> I, okay. So that's the thing was that when I, when I saw it, I thought the same thing. I was like, oh, wow. Like this is a very like, you know, this is very tongue in cheek. I'm not very tongue in cheek. This is a very like homophobic response. But I think this was meant to exaggerate Stephen Ree's response in the crying game. Okay. I that's what I I rewatched that scene and that is from Age Ventura and um I feel like that was the what they were going for although if you don't get the reference then it's kind of lost okay all the comments were like this would never hold up today <laughs> <laughs> but I feel like it was a very much a deliberate overreaction to Stephen Ree's overreaction okay if that makes any sense but. Okay, so let's talk about him. Steve, so Fergus is very malleable and weak-willed. It's, a, it's very hard to sympathize with him. Um, he, I feel like he's a true existential hero because he barely makes any decisions for himself, and he's very, very easy to manipulate. And yet, he has this inherent goodness that constantly shines through. This constant, like, I'm going to do the right thing. I'm going to do right by you, Dill. He cares, and he's very empathetic. And it, I feel like to pull both of those things off to be like kind of a weak willed guy and kind of like sit in the background and just kind of stare while also portraying this deep empathy is like must be incredibly hard. And to do that for in the entire movie, you know, uh, Jay Davidson and Forrest Whitaker are only in the movie for half the time. They're not on screen together. Right. Right. So like, they technically have half as much work to do as Stephen Reed does, and he carries this movie so well. Um, and uh, another performance from him that I really like is from V for Vendetta, actually. He's, the, he's Finch, the uh, detective, um, who eventually comes over to V's side uh, near the end. And I feel like this movie really like, cast him for that role perfectly, um, just because I could see his like, conflict and his... like. And the way he was changing his mind slowly and like the way he was being convinced um, to, you know, to change his mind is, I don't know, it's, it's really, really good. And just his subtle performance is so believable and so rich. I don't know. I, I was really impressed. Yeah, no, it, it's hard to put into words sometimes, you know, it's like he just 
he's just a, out there doing it. Um, he's a, yeah, he's a I mean he's a professional actor. So <laughs> well, yeah, which is um really important when we uh consider like his okay, well I'm I'm getting ahead of myself here. But yeah, I, okay. I agree. Stephen Ray has a really good uh he d- he does well to carry this this movie and um like he he kind of provides that like steady backbone that carries throughout the movie when it, it does have very Definitely. different halves. Definitely. Then there's uh, Forrest Whitaker's Jody. Um, he's only in the movie for the first 30 minutes, um, but he really brings this pathos that is felt for the rest of the film. You always, like, obviously there are photographs of him in um, Dill's apartment, but, like, even without that, you kind of feel his presence constantly. You're always, it's always in the back of your mind. It's like, like, Stephen Reed, what are you doing? You know, Fergus, what are you doing? Jimmy. Like, you know, you can't be, you can't be sleeping with, like you can't be doing that you know what about the promise you made to to jody you know what about jody it is aren't you thinking about jody right no it is a weird because he like made this promise to like look after her at least at the very least go see her and say that jody was thinking of her right but it's like based on his relationship with jody you're you're it's still a little bit ambiguous as to where that commitment what that commitment means right because it is it uh, am i supposed to go replace jody and be the next iteration of uh right boyfriends in dill's life or is it just to like make sure that her like well-being is taken care of or at the very least that she has some closure on her relationship with jody right it kind of yeah. leaves that open to interpretation and you even get to see what fergus decides to do with that yeah and i mean that's part of the the conflict that you as an audience member feel is like is he doing the right thing you know, is he taking advantage of her? What, like, you know, and of course, like, they both have secrets that they're trying to keep from each other. And it, and neither of them react very well. <laughs> I yes. Think. Maybe justifiably in Dill's case. Well, right. And it's, it is, uh, you know, so, so you could put it as a little bit of guilt from Fergus, right? Definitely. Feeling bad that he took this guy away from her. Um, even though it's kind of like, he was just in that situation. He really had no power to let him go. Um, well, he could have, though, you know? He could have let him go. He, he was there, and he was responsible for killing him, and he's the reason that he ran into that street, you know? Right, but it doesn't seem like the IRA would have just forgiven him if he let him go, right? They, they seem pretty violent and willing to, uh, you know, maybe it wouldn't have ended so good for Fergus had he let him go. But maybe that's what he said. It, maybe that would be worth it for him. I don't know. don't know. I don't know. Um, yeah, so I, I've seen Forrest Whitaker in other movies, but I feel like this one really stood out. Like this one, he could really, he was really acting in other movies. I feel like he kind of, I don't know, he's kind of Forrest Whitaker, I guess you could say. Yeah. You you see him, he's like, oh, here's Forrest Whitaker. He was in, uh, the other movie that he was in that we reviewed was, um, Arrival. And he was also good in that. I feel like he kind of disappeared into that role as well. But especially this one, it's just, it's such a standout performance. It's like, there's so much emotion behind his eyes and the, the way he speaks. And like, you can tell that he's trying to connect to Fergus because he feels like that's the only way he could possibly survive. And uh, you just kind of get all of that in this, you know, simple interaction of people asking people about how they feel and things. It's, um, it's like a, a measured and yet powerful role. He's, uh, yeah, I do like the way that he expresses his appreciation for like the simple things uh yeah. once you once he is a prisoner you know and he starts to uh appreciate being able to like 
use the bathroom and or breathe or breathe and or eat things, you know, like that was uh, because obviously you got like the feeling of terror, but I feel like they didn't necessarily double down on like how much it sucks to be like, uh, you know, not allowed to do stuff like that. Like he did appreciate some of those things, but I would probably be complaining about having to sit down to sleep, you know, stuff like that yeah. um, where I feel like they didn't really express like they picked some things and not others, but the things they did pick to express uh, enthusiasm about once he had lost access to them, I thought he did well on. Definitely, definitely. And then, of course, there's uh, Jay Davidson as Dill. All pickle jokes aside, this is a really standout performance. And uh, Davidson really has to embrace his feminine side. And he, he's, he's like truly vulnerable in this role. Um, you know, he's stark naked, right, at some point. Yes. But just, like, the stigma of playing a character like this must have been something, you know, that he was wrestling with when when they asked him to do this. And he just does, it's, it's such a powerful and moving performance. And it does such a good job of humanizing a population that isn't really often in the spotlight. Um, I, I don't, like, I was kind of confused. There was one thing. If I had like a plot complaint, I was confused about how much Dill knew of Fergus. I wasn't sure if she was playing him or not. Like it felt like the whole her with Dave thing was kind of a setup to try and allure Fergus in. Yeah. But it, when, once you find out that her uh, intentions were pure, it becomes so much more tragic of a story. You know, imagine just being rejected in that way. It's, I, I can't, honestly. Yeah. It's a horrifying situation. And although I can't, I can't ever express, I can't ever, I don't think I'll ever be in that situation. I can't ever truly relate. I feel like Davison's performance really brings you both into Dill's mind and her body when she bears her secret to Fergus in a way that is only possible through, um, you know, a, a great actor. Right. And in this, I was going to save this for my Easter egg section, but I'm going to go ahead and jump into it. Jay Davison is a very interesting person uh as it relates to this film because jay davison was not an actor before this movie um and he's uh is he a model now he is a model now because he didn't stick around in acting very much uh but he was discovered by a casting associate uh for another movie uh and his androgynous look apparently led to him being cast as dill in this movie uh and then like wow Seriously, like not an actor and then doing all this. Um, and Jay Davidson, at, at the very least, um, again, I'm, I'm not trying to like speak for the LGBT community here, but I think it's interesting that uh, this character is a uh, out like or rather this actor is openly gay. So we do have that representation here as playing a transgender person. I'm not saying gay and transgender are the same thing, uh, but what, I'm just saying, saying that it's nice to see someone who is gay being in a mainstream movie yes and well it's gay is part of the lgbt community so it's like you know and one of that group playing one of that group in a movie which uh you always get into these weird things with like uh representation in film and i think that's good they had a uh somebody who's at least in the community uh representing that character in fact so much in that community they were almost typecast for that right like because they that's how they acted in real life uh that's how they got to be in this movie and jay davison nominated for best supporting actor after this role it's like 
Can you imagine? I, well, I, I believe it. And I, I feel like he, I mean, he really deserves it. It's so, like, it's such a, I don't know how to even describe it. It's, it is such a moving performance and it must be so difficult to like put yourself into that situation. Right. I mean, I don't know. Like you have to rely entirely on the direction and editing of this film to make, to make sure that your character appears as empathetic as you're portraying them and as sympathetic as you're portraying them. So yeah, I, I feel like, you have to be so vulnerable in order to make that happen in so many ways, emotionally and physically. And, and, um, I just feel like that was such a, an incredible choice. I don't know. I, it's, I mean, it blows me away really that someone went to that, went that far for a movie and you can tell just through watching it. Well, yeah, I mean, it's, it's excellent. Uh, it's excellent execution because you could, I think you could get props for just having a transgender love interest in a movie um just the idea or just saying that that's what you've got i think for a lot of people would be a lot um you know or or rather like they would be like wow like that is very um progressive but this movie delivers on it in a uh in a satisfying way it's not just that there's a transgender love interest we get a real look into uh what it's like to be a transgender person in a way that I feel like we it's it's not really explored in popular culture. Um, yeah, exactly. And I mean, like you said just now, like nowadays, especially a movie that comes out like this would wouldn't have the same like shock value, I guess, as it did in 1992, right? Um, but this movie holds up not because it's not just because of the way it's presented. I mean, it's very deliberate the way that they pan down across her body and then show show the penis, you know? Yeah. Like it's 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 meant to be like, "Oh, you thought you knew what was going on, that you don't know what's going on." Um yet like that just aids the story along and it just shows how like it just it it relies so heavily on the performances that any shock that is presented in this movie is kind of washed away um and like maybe that's what you're maybe you you only take away a couple things from this movie but one of those things is that you feel bad for dill and yes like you like dill and that's not because of the shock value that's because of jay davidson's incredible performance yeah it's it's interesting okay so let's let's get into the penis stuff here because we're we're already on this kind of subject so um the first time this movie kind of is uh exposes its penis to you is when uh jody uh has to test a piss uh as a prisoner and that is like a classic they could have totally gone over that. If this movie was about different stuff, they probably wouldn't have touched on how a prisoner who's tied up uses the bathroom, right? Sure. Um, but they have this whole thing, and Fergus has to help Jody like take his penis out so he can pee, um, which yeah. is uncomfortable. But it's also it's a little bit funny too, you know. Like it's uh, it's like you're not sure if this is just for comedic effect or if there's a larger, I, you know, at the time I was like, wow, that was ambitious. Uh, Fergus is cool <laughs> with grabbing that guy's, uh, penis, which, you know, even, uh, Jody makes the case. He's like, it's just meat. You know, it's just me. Right. It's like, it's like just grabbing my arm. I mean, it's not, but you know what I'm saying? Like, it's just like grabbing it part of me. It's not anything inherently sexual about it or whatever, but, um, you know, Fergus is okay with doing that. It doesn't, 
affect Jody necessarily um, in any large way. But uh, so that, but but it does stand out. You're like, remember when he helped him take a piss? That was interesting. Yeah. <laughs> um, but and but for me, as someone who didn't really know much about this movie going into it, definitely didn't know that it was going to deal with anything transgender. Uh, the reveal had its full shock value um, as far as like. <laughs> scroll yeah. like it like the panning down and then there it is just all it displayed in all its glory and first thing that went through my mind honestly was oh <laughs> thanks mom <laughs> for recommending this movie <laughs> uh because uh i i'm like wow this is the this is the one that my mom wanted us to watch and uh it's the one yep. where they surprise with a movie with surprise penises in it surprise or dick. one surprise penis yes but um but you i think you're right when you were saying that uh dill's performance or jay davidson's performance uh, as dill um kind of it doesn't focus on that shock value. If anything, it makes you feel bad for fe- being shocked uh, or or, yeah. or um, expressing any disgust if, if you uh, feel the same way that uh, Jimmy slash Fergus does when he first sees it. Because again, I was the same. I was like, whoa, whoa didn't see that coming. Um, <laughs> but it, I think this movie gives Dill a lot of humanity So um, and kind of expresses this as a, this is truly who Dill is. Um, right. You know, as opposed to how some people might want to characterize transgender people as people who are a doing it for attention, b doing it for uh, because they're like a sexual deviant or, or any number of other reasons. Right? This movie makes the case whether you what, not necessarily saying that it's good or bad. It's saying that this is who Dill is. Uh, this, that's the, that's who Dill naturally is. Um, and I think that having the penis reveal in there um, helps you to. D- get involved with the whole conflict of a transgender person who has to come to terms with that being their reality. Um, yeah. and, and I think that's really powerful. Yeah. And I, for, and although like, right. I, it doesn't, it doesn't show it to you. I mean, the movie kind of follows Ferg's or Fergus's, uh, point of view. Right. Yes. But in that moment, you're, you're Jay or you're Dill, right? Right. Like it's not, you're not Ferg's or Fergus's. Uh, I keep calling him Ferg. You're not Ferguses. <laughs> Fergie's. <laughs> Good old Fergie. You like, I don't. I I don't know how to say this. Like, you're not in Fergus's head at that moment. You're in Dill's. Yes. Right. You're you're seeing the world through Dill's eyes. Yes. And and for and like you just said, like that makes it so much. It makes you feel for her more than it makes you feel like was disgusted right and i think that that's that's just uncommon or at least in the popular culture i've dealt with uh transgender especially transgender women are usually this kind of uh opportunity for humor if if you will right uh where it's like oh like funky cole medina do you know that song by uh what is his name something lock um Whatever it's, it's this rapper and he he has this drink funky Cole Medina which makes him like if it's a, it's a aphrodisiac basically and one of the verses is about him meeting this like hot girl at the bar and he brings her home uh, and she's transgender and he kicks her out and he's got he's like you got to be pure if you want to get with the funky Cole Medina like he's like and and for me I'm like. What was the point of that whole verse, dude? And, uh, and and but that's usually the perspective we're coming from. It's like, look how weird transgender people are. But this movie takes it in the other direction. It says like, hey, look at the transgender experience from from that having to be your situation. Look how um, I would say 
I don't want to say unfortunate because I think it's fine that people are transgender, but it's like it, the, the uh, everyone else's perception of them is obviously tough to handle, um, especially with the way that they're portrayed a lot in popular culture. So I like that this movie takes it from the other direction and gives them something, uh, you know, positive to uh, to, ref- to or, or rather just helps you to empathize with them, uh, much like our man does here. Fergus ends up empathizing with them. Yeah, and I feel like this is true for like a lot of LGBTQ, uh, like what's the word, like uh, representation in movies. Like there's, it's always kind of like a token thing, you know. Yes. Whereas, yeah. Like this movie definitely deals with that, but it's a very direct thing. It's about that topic, and it's and it's showing you dill as this attractive like you know interesting person regardless of you know how she what kind of what kind of plumbing she's using i guess <laughs> you mm-hmm. know like it's it gives such a good example it gives such a good job of humanizing dill um without making her seem like without defining her by her transgenderness if that makes any sense. Yes, and um, I think it's interesting how this how the movie goes on to portray the relationship between Fergus and Dill, um, because I think this movie uh, is open to the idea of uh, relationships between cis men and transgender women, but it doesn't go overboard in uh, its enthusiasm for this type of relationship. It kind of puts it out there and says, "What do you think?" Because right. at, at least as like in my interpretation, I didn't I didn't see the twist coming. So I thought Dill was like a, you know, a attractive woman, you know, just a normal woman in this movie. Uh, and I'm sure plenty of people do that. And then it 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 makes this like the reveal happens and it's like, OK, now what? What do you think of right. this now? Um, and so I, I, I like that because I think if they went overboard and being like, this is inherently good, like this is the best thing that could happen that these two are together. This is how you should think of uh, you know transgender relationships. Um, it might, might get lost because people are like, oh, it's trying to push that uh, that agenda. Sure, you know, sure. um, it, it rather it, it's it's saying you know this is what's happening, and um, and you know you can decide. Yeah, the only thing I didn't like about that was that like fergus is always trying to push off dill's signs of affection you know he's like don't call me hun don't call me babe don't call me sweetie or whatever and that doesn't stop her at all she just keeps doing it but like i don't know it clearly makes him uncomfortable and yet he still feels a responsibility and he still is attracted to her yeah so it's I know, you're right. It is it's complex and like for a guy in his situation, especially in that time, like it must be like it must be confusing trying to wrestle through your feelings, you know. I guess it's I guess it's still true today, but Oh, it's like, insanely confusing. I I mean, yeah. If you I don't know, I've tried to think that through before. Where it's like cuz there's like the classic scenario, not like not that I do this, like go to a bar and take home a girl like all the time. Like it's not like a common part of my life, but like if that in, if I was in that situation and uh, someone I thought was a girl ended up having a penis, I was like, "Dang, I don't know what I would do." You know? Yeah. Because it would seem cruel to be like throw up and throw them out, you know? Or or right. leave, right? Um so I I'm I like that they don't portray it as a simple choice. They don't say, oh, it, they're transgender. You have to have the same opinion of them that you did before you found out they're transgender. Right. Um, 
But at the same time, it doesn't say that uh, rejecting them is an appropriate response either. Um, yeah. So it kind of, again, yeah, I think it would be satisfying to have a nice answer, but maybe that's, there isn't a satisfying answer. You kind of just have to go with what feels right. Right. And I mean, I mean, Dill wasn't out to trick him. She thought that he went to that bar because um, they like, apparently it's a common knowledge that that bar is like, home for transgender okay well it's um i went back and looked before he knows that bar looks so normal and then after everyone there is very flamboyant and looks like it well it looks like they're having a theme night when he comes Mm. back after that because everyone is dressed so clearly in a um again i don't want to use the wrong word here i'm not this isn't my i'm not trying to get canceled um it's but they were dressed in a way that i would say is more uh outside of the normal way that you would dress and again i'm not saying it's but different is bad i'm not trying to offend anybody with this this is really difficult to talk about without being just like, describing with a movie yes yes um but you i'm just saying you like the implication that that bar had a certain crowd going into it isn't clear until after he finds out and i'm and i think that's just like a plot device right it was he right. wasn't worried about what other people i wasn't worried about what other people were dressed like until after either um so it is kind of just sticking to that we're seeing it from fergus's perspective um but you're right it, she, she's like if you couldn't tell it's kind of my fault because you know i was doing such a good job of being a woman which i'm like you know slay queen you know you, you are you are uh doing a good job of yeah like, port- that is confusing from dill's perspective too it's like do i take that as a compliment or or not you know like right. i'm obviously trying to pass as a woman clearly i did that extremely well right right i don't know so yeah i, I it's it's honestly something I didn't expect out of this movie because I, my mom recommended it, but um, I think it's I think I'm a uh, I think I understand a little bit more taking a step in the in the direction of understanding uh, at least uh, the experience of a transgender woman a little bit better, uh, and I think that's valuable to be able to expose that to somebody like me from the rural South uh, who yeah. grew up with a lot of um, I would say bad opinions of people who weren't cis or, or rather uh, yeah cis uh straight people um so i think i don't know i think it's a valuable thing to be able to get across in your film yeah definitely it, it's um and it's done in a very like very sympathetic very empathetic very respectful way yeah without going overboard though because it's i wouldn't say this this is like uh you know if you're very pushing an agenda yeah. yeah it's not pushing an agenda it's more of just a, like giving you a chance to experience something right that's why we go to the movies. Yeah, that's why we go to the movies, dude. I agree with that. Um, <laughs> okay. But, but yeah, and I guess just to put a, to put a lid on it, um, I, I think that in the end, the, the message is um, you should be with who you want to be with, who it's with, who it's in your nature to be attracted to, and you should just do that. You know, as opposed to calculating and being like, oh, they're transgender. Uh, eh, you know, it's like if you if they're transgender and you're still into them, then that's fine. You know, and right. that should be you should be uh, able to make it work. Yeah, you should. You know, you, you don't make that decision it's in your nature. Right. OK, so you got any Easter eggs for us, Joey? I only got one. And I saw this is not even like related to any of the themes in the movie, but um, I saw a salt and pepper poster in the background on one of the streets. And I was like, hey, I recognize that. <laughs> salt and pepper. Yeah. You know, like the band. You push it. I push might know it, their song, it. but I don't know the actual. Okay, well, we're going to look it up and play a clip right now. 
Okay. Great song. That is great. Okay, I do recognize that song now. Um, so that is cool. There's a pe- poster of that in the in the movie. Um, okay, well, while we're on the topic of songs, this movie has a song that shares its name, uh, The Crying Game. And the original and the Boy George version make their appearances in this movie. Uh, we'll play a clip for that right now. One day soon I'm gonna tell the Yeah, so basically, um, what I take away from this song is it's about love and, well, losing at love, you know, over and over again. And it's, uh, it, you know, making yourself vulnerable to somebody because you are attracted to them uh, and then having them break your heart and making you cry. And um, that's definitely a parallel to uh, our main love interest's life um, because Dill talks about having men come into her life and leave. And um, I'm sure that's something that a lot of people can relate to because um, most relationships end in a breakup. But especially for Dill, who has this extra thing, not only do people have to accept who Dill is as a person, they also have to accept that Dill is transgender. Um, So I think it's an appropriate song to have be correlated with Dill's life. Yeah, that's an appropriate name for the movie too. Yes. And um, just some context for the song. It's uh, it was originally recorded by Dave Barry in 1964, uh, but it was re-recorded for this film uh, by Boy George. Um, Boy, this is Boy George's biggest hit in U- in the United States and Canada, and um, Boy George himself is uh, sexually ambiguous, I guess I could say, sure. and. Um, if I had known that, I guess, if I had like looked up the Crying Game song before this movie, I think it may have hinted as mm. to maybe some of the uh, some of what is contained within this I didn't this even film. know the Crying Game was the name of a song, though, so. Yeah, and uh, me neither until I heard it in the movie. So, uh, But yeah, obviously a very important part of this movie, so I thought we should uh, talk about it a little bit. But on to our quotes section, and I've got the first one. We're in trouble. Do you know that, folks? I didn't. Some kinds of women are. She can't help it. Del. She was no trouble, no trouble at all. Which this is, in retrospect, uh, just another hint that Dill is not a woman, uh, <laughs> or rather, not a uh, cisgendered woman, and. Uh, so I thought that was clever, kind of how they laid the the, the breadcrumbs uh, to let you know that 
to lead up to the reveal. I always think that's yeah. really satisfying when there's a concrete path to the reveal. And there especially- are several moments like that. You know, like there's the one part where, she, uh, you know, what's his name? Jody says, uh, Jude is not his type. Yes. Uh, and then there's uh, Cole in the, um, the, the bartender. He says, there's something you should know, Jimmy. Uh, you know, she's, uh, she's on (laughs) on the stage (laughs) i didn't i do i totally missed that that's hilarious another quality line from cole (laughs) always delivering cole yes okay my quote is uh tell me anything when i was a child yeah i thought as a child When I became a man, I put away childish things. I okay. This feels like something kind of deep, but I'm not really sure if it is. It's actually a quote from the Bible. It's a it's from Corinthians. Wow. Um, and I'm not sure what we're supposed to take away from this. Is Fergus rediscovering his inner child? Is he taking love out of the box that he put it in when he was a child and like rediscovering it? Right. Is that kind of what he's doing here when he's saying, like, when I was a child, I thought I was a child, but then when I became a man, I stopped, like, believing in love? That's definitely one way to, to, to take it. I, I'm not I really also, sure. I also, like, it, um, what, what feels weird about this is that it feels like he is, he's, in, he's saying this in response to Jody saying, uh, tell me a story, right? Tell me right. something. And it feels like he is telling him something. He's not saying, no, I'm not telling you a story, but this, like, it feels like he's telling a story, but this story is about how he doesn't tell stories anymore. Okay. You know? However, I also think this kind of goes into my other thing, which is about how Fergus is very existentialist and very, like, very, like, I want to say ethereal. He's very, he floats through life. This is a quote from the Bible. Perhaps he's using it as a colloquialism. Ah, colloquialism yeah. makes another appearance on the That's Apple right. Chat podcast. <laughs> He's just saying something that sounds good. Yeah. You know? It's just a thing that people heard say. It before. Yeah, it's a thing that people say. Interesting. Don't know. Thought it was interesting, though. Yeah, it was interesting, and it seems really intentional. I'm not sure. I feel like we're missing it, maybe. Like, yeah, but I exactly can't figure what it out. I looked for. it up and everything. There's all these, like, all these essays about the phrase, but not, nothing like... The, the, they use the phrase as an example. They don't actually talk about what it means. So mm. I don't know. Well, if anybody listening has uh, wants to uh, has an answer for us, you know how to reach us. We got email and Twitter. Um, but for now, we'll move on to our next quote, which is this one. I wish to say on behalf of the Irish Republican. Leave him be. This, I think, is my my best way of saying like the microcosm for the inconsistent pacing in this film, uh, mm. because leading up to this very slow and dramatic, and you know, leading up to his death or whatever, and he's like carrying, you know, he's leading him outside, and then this guy is trying to get a word in edgewise just to be like, "Yo, by the way, we're not just mindless killers. We're we're doing this, you know, y- your part of this game." But he totally cuts him off, and he's like, "Leave him be!" And then they kind of like goofily take off, you know, like they start running, <laughs> and dramatic music starts playing. And when that happened, I was like, 
huh? Like, <laughs> it, it felt almost like a like a comedy sketch kind of thing to be like overly dramatic all of a uh, sudden, yeah. uh, which I just it actually just made me chuckle. Um, but I thought more what I'm trying to get across is just that microcosm of kind of the inconsistent. Yeah, because after that they're running through the forest and Joey's calling after him, and then then the planes show up and start shooting everybody. Yeah, and, and Jody gets hit by a freaking APC, he hit by like two, two. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> he gets hit by one and then absolutely like smeared by the second one. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah. <laughs> okay, my uh, next quote is... He's still looking, Cole. Persistent. Good thing in a man. An excellent quality. Maybe he wants something. I expect he does. Ask him. Ask him yourself. So tell me. Everybody wants something. Not me. Not you. Quaint. Yeah, I, I like. What does Fergus slash Jimmy want? Like everything. Eventually, you kind of find out that he wants to look after Dill, and then you find then you find out that he kind of wants to be with Dill. But like he always, whenever like someone asks him, "What are you? What are you here? What are you doing here?" He always kind of gives this kind of dismissal answer. It's never very concrete, and I feel like this is kind of a microcosm of how he acts throughout this whole movie. You know, he he doesn't. It's not clear exactly what he wants. He just kind of floats. He just kind of does what people tell him to do. Yep. And there's like this, I don't know, he, he kind of just doesn't make any decisions for himself. And, you know, everyone wants something, but maybe Jimmy doesn't. Well, I just, yeah, it, it goes back to what I consider to be somewhat in, insufficient motivation. Like, if he had something that we establish at some point, it's like, this is why I'm part of this conflict, and, like, this is why I care so much about this stuff. It's just yeah. kind of assumed that it's in his nature. He just does mm. this, you know? But I'm like, what was the first thing? How did he get wrapped up in this that it is forcing him to do all this stuff that he obviously isn't like doing because he wants to. It's more because he feels obligated to. It's like where I would love to know where Fergus decided that this is going to be the path. Um, So, yeah, I agree. There's there is something even though everybody wants something, they do kind of leave us grasping for what Fergus really wants. And my last one, I just thought this was really funny. <laughs> I just thought that was funny because it's like, yeah, we know Dave. You've been following us. Like, <laughs> Dave has just been—he's been introduced in the movie like three or four times at this point, where he just kind of shows up, and uh, this time he just—you know—he's there and he's like, "It's me. It's Dave. Hey, it's, me. it's I, Dave." I um, yeah, Dave definitely gets wrecked in this movie, dude. I mean, he—where did he get the neck brace from? Was that because he stood on his neck? Yeah, I think so. He said he was going to break his neck. You know? So you need a neck brace if your neck is almost broken? Yeah, maybe to protect in the future. If he gets in that situation again, he'll be ready now. Makes sense. <laughs> I should be wearing my neck brace. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm, I'm uh, under the... It seems like Dave doesn't make really wise choices, so maybe like preemptive neck brace is just another example of Dave not being the smartest guy. I uh, did feel bad for him when uh, Dill threw his fish out the window, though. Murderer! <laughs> <laughs> Those poor fish they didn't do anything. That was yeah, that was that was pretty dramatic. Yeah, that like a little let me get a relatable tag in here for our younger listeners. That was totally sicko mode to uh toss somebody's fish out of the window. Uh, like it's a classic throwing your bo- your ex-boyfriend's clothes out the window, but then like going the uh the extra mile for the fishbowl. That was uh 
That's really that making a, that a statement. Was, that was a big fishbowl too. Yeah, that reminded me of um, the Prestige. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was like that size. Uh, okay, Joey, I think you know what time it is. It is time for us to go a little deeper. deeper, deeper, deeper. And I'll get us started with uh, the story of the scorpion and the frog. And I'll give you guys the Wikipedia synopsis of it because it's short and sweet. So, a scorpion asks a frog to carry it across a river. The frog hesitates, afraid of being stung, but the scorpion argues that if it did so, they would both drown. Considering this, the frog agrees, but midway across the river, the scorpion does indeed sting the frog, dooming them both. When the frog asks the scorpion why, the scorpion replies that it is in his nature to do so. So, it's an interesting story, and my conclusion I draw from that is that some people will just act the way they act because it's in their nature. Uh, and by this story, it, it kind of has a, like a pessimistic viewpoint. And it's like the scorpion will always be bad because a scorpion is bad. Um, but the movie kind of gives us the, uh, the reverse of this. And it's like uh, Fergus will always be good because it's in his nature to be good. Um, no matter what's going on around him or how detrimental that is to himself. Um, I wouldn't say that that's necessarily a parallel to the frog because the frog is logical in this. The frog acts because he does what makes sense versus the scorpion who acts because it's it's the scorpion's nature. Um, so I, I, like for me, I feel like Fergus is the um, positive. Scorpion, but nice. Yeah, the nice scorpion. He's Instead of stinging the frog, he's going to like, yeah, I don't know, give the frog a gift halfway across the river because he has to. I don't know. That's, not, that's a bad example, but you know what I'm saying? He's, uh, he is the uh, yeah, but positive the, version. But the, the important thing is that at the expense of his own life. Yes. You know, at the expense of his own, like, well-being, I guess. Right. And I think that that is kind of a, it, it covers up some, some of my um, motivational plot holes where I'm like, why is he doing this? It's because the, the movie is saying like, this is in his nature. You know, it, it doesn't have to be uh, completely logical. It is who he is as a person. Um, and, and that's like who we are to understand Fergus as. Yeah. And throughout this movie, I was thinking about this uh, book, The Stranger out by Albert Camus. Um, it's this, it's an existential drama about this guy who just kind of floats through life and doesn't make any real decisions for himself. And every time he does, it's all very impulsive. And eventually he ends up in jail for murdering someone, um, because of his impulsivity. And by the time he kind of wakes up and realizes that he's in, uh, mortal peril, it's far too late for him to do anything about it. And I feel like Fergus kind of, um, he reminds me of this at least a little bit of how he kind of ends up in this situation without ever like thinking through what he's doing. He's very, he is very impulsive. Um, he's, he is kind and empathetic, but in a way that is like detrimental to everything, you know, like it would, it would have made his life so much easier if he had just told Dill about his life. If he had just said, I used to be in the IRA. He doesn't necessarily have to say, I killed your husband. Right. You know, but he could say, I am in the IRA. These people are after me. We need to leave. You know, you're in danger. I'm in danger. You know, Dill would have understood, probably. Well, Dill, I don't think Dill would have been in much danger if he didn't um, 
involve himself with her like the initial trip to the barbershop should have been a hey listen i'm involved with the ira i knew your husband and that like i i he wanted me to tell you that he was thinking of you when he died and then that could have been the end of it she would have had closure about her relationship and he wouldn't have necessarily had to get involved or more more importantly he wouldn't have have involved her with the conflict um he does risk her becoming involved if they find out that they knew each other but i don't think they would have you know, he could have just been getting a haircut. They're not going to kill yeah, every okay, barber but, that but, touches okay, his But head. he thought he was safe. He thought he was he that he had escaped, and it's not in his nature to cause harm. So, like, think like bringing up that touchy subject, being like, "Oh yeah, you're you're a lover that uh, died mysteriously. I'm the one who killed him." Like that would not. That's not something that Ferg would ever do. Oh, for sure. And he doesn't have to say that. That I mean, I don't think that. Uh, Jody wanted him to do that in the first place. I think Jody's message was just tell her I was thinking of her. You know, go go check up on her and tell her this. Um, and so it was it was baffling when he first went into the barbershop and kind of his instead of doing anything, he just got his hair cut and he was like, all right, time to stalk her after this. That's the next, yeah. that's the next logical move. I know there's so much stalking in this movie. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Which, dude, how crazy is uh, our European streets though? Like, there's barely any cars. Most of, like whenever there's a car outside the bar like waiting for someone to get into it is the only car like most of the time there's only like one car on the road if any there's all like cobblestone streets wasn't it yeah yeah it um reminded me a lot of it reminded me of when i was in paris uh okay. i spent time <laughs> by the way i've been to paris um <laughs> um but yeah I, just, I mean that's your that's more just european culture right or european cities that they there's a lot more walking yeah but okay, there there is this other interesting aspect of this in that um, Fergus knows that Dill isn't a woman, and he kind of tries to, like, he kind of pretends that she is. I guess like that's kind of the the uh, where he kind of falls in that uh, decision making. Um, but he definitely treats her like a woman, and that he like can't tell her what's really going on, like does all this stuff to try to protect her when really he's just making everything worse. You see that all the time. So classic. It's like, I can't tell you what's going on. It's for your own protection. Yeah. Which obviously just makes her all the more paranoid and uh, you suspicious know. and more willing to like put herself into danger because she has no idea what she's looking for. Right. Right. Yeah. So I, I don't know. Like. I, I agree that the right thing to do would just be to do exactly what Jody said, but that wouldn't have been what, what Ferg would have done. And I understand like his whole motivation of trying to go after Dill and then eventually falling in love with her. Um, but I don't agree with his decision to try to quote unquote protect her from the dangers of the world by impulsively going to kill some other old dude, you know? Like... <laughs> <laughs> he's like i have no choice i guess i guess i have to go out there and kill this guy even though that would definitely be suicide for me I, like the reason why you guys aren't doing it yourselves is because the guy is so heavily like protected you just found me and realized that you can like use me to kill them like yeah yeah and it's i thought it was interesting that when he didn't show up they're like well we just have to do it anyway and we'll die it's like oh well then he what obviously tomorrow Right. Well, you know, it's like, this is every day, right? <laughs> well, it's like he obviously ra- made the right choice by not coming then because like the... the look the, how badly it turned out. Yeah, look how badly it turned out. And also, what is the cost of him not showing up is that he's going to get... They're going to try to kill him. Well, he's going to die if he t- attempts his murder. So, you know, why even show up for the murder if you're just going to die no matter what? What's really frustrating is that 
he it's like decides that he's going to go put his life in danger to kill someone when in fact like like he the only reason he doesn't do it is because dill saves him dill ties him up and is like points a gun at him and it's like what is going on why are you doing this what is going on with all this i mean like he makes her cut her hair and like change her clothes and everything which i feel like is so sad yeah um, so sad especially because her hair was so glorious before yeah what a sacrifice i know and um yeah so like she and in in the end by tying him up saves saves him acts you know um, maybe you could argue irrationally or like rashly but acts in a way that is like very firm in her decisions maybe they were the wrong decisions maybe she shouldn't have shot jude but in the end like all of them make it out alive i mean dill and and uh and uh ferg's make it out alive yeah well yeah, because okay. she goes, uh, <laughs> she stands her ground, dude. She, uh, yeah. she defends the home front when uh, Jude invades, and uh, she's a total bad bitch with her pistol, dude. That was yeah. like, um, I, I, I mean, that was another one of these, like, whoa, suddenly it's ma- like major action. <laughs> yeah, suddenly roller coaster. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I, I think that um, I, now that we're kind of breaking it down, talking it out, it does give her a lot of. Um, uh agency you know she yes. she took matters into her own hands and that actually saved the day so even though at the end we kind of look at um our man ferg as the like hero or whatever he goes to jail yeah. he goes to jail and he like you know he's uh being a hero sacrificing himself in that way he wouldn't even have the opportunity to do that if the real hero dill didn't like go funky cop on him and and take the and take out jude with the gun exactly like that's that's the message that i like about this movie is that it shows ferg as being this flawed character because he can't make a decision he can't he's always floating through he's always being told what to do or what to say and all this stuff and he, when in the end he gets himself into another terrible situation, you're saying before like, oh, you know, like why, why is he, you know, in the IRA in the first place? It's probably something, some stupid stuff like this, you know, <laughs> you know, he probably followed Jude there or something. Jude's like, I'm in this club. You should join, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and he's like, I love you, Jude. <laughs> That's you know funny. what I mean? Like, yeah. it's like, the, like, like, it escalates so quickly for him. Like one day he's living his life. The next day he has to go murder someone. Then probably that will get him killed. Yep. You know, now that you, now we're like pointing all this out. Yeah. I'd say this, this plot is actually concrete. (laughs) You just have to understand who Ferg is as a person. Yeah. Yeah. And like that is, I mean, that's why I think this movie has that happy ending. That satisfying ending is because Dill stands up for him. And in the end, you know, that pays off big time. So I don't know. Especially because, yeah, especially because Dill is such a pure person, um, you right. know, it, she's like there visiting uh, prison. And also, dude, how it was so different who um, Dill was compared to the crowd of people who walked in there. Like all the other people were just, I don't know, dressed like people who live in a cold weather area, I guess. And then sure. Dill walks in strutting, you know, like really uh, just being who Dill is. And I, I liked that um so yeah. you, you did pick her out so easily yeah well you dill gets a happy ending and i like that even even though it, like her love interest is in jail she can still see him and they're both alive which i think is a pretty good outcome compared to some of the other characters in this film sure 
So yeah, I, I I enjoy this. Honestly, while I was watching the movie, I did feel a little bit. I was like, this is kind of going on for a long time, and I was a little bit bored. But once I had gotten all the way through it and was able to reflect on what I had experienced, I'm uh, I'm really impressed, and I and I had a good time watching it. Yeah, I I also kind of felt like this was, movie was kind of homework in a way. Yes. It's like important to watch because I feel like it's pretty culturally relevant, but not necessarily something I would recommend. I guess. Sure, and as a person who never interacts with like the LGBT community organically in my life. I don't really know that many people I've, I've, I have, uh, had some, uh, gay people in my life who are like, I've known personally and I've been exposed to that part of the LGBT community more, but I don't think I've ever known anyone who was actually, I've known a couple of people are uh, transgender, but still area that I don't, I'm not very experienced with. And I think that this was a good experience at the very least. I think I opened my eyes a little bit. Yeah, I think so, too. So maybe I, if I was to recommend it to someone, it would be someone who was interested in finding out more about this. You know, it's a, um, it's a kind of a, a rough introduction yes. to, to this kind of community. And it's, uh, I don't know, it's a satisfying and well-told narrative as well. Right, but it, it's, it's, yeah, and it's, it's not an um, overpowering introduction because it's not a movie about transgender people it's about one transgender person in a world of cisgendered people um, right and you know which i think is more palatable for a cisgender audience but obviously making some big uh assumptions, assumptions there <laughs> and i'll move on from it so overall i think it was a uh, good experience and i'm glad we watched it and i'm glad my mom recommended it to me um i think i can't hashtag wait thanks mom yeah hashtag thanks mom i can't wait to talk to her after she listens to this podcast but uh this podcast is not over yet it is time for our ratings joey do you want to go first yeah okay i give this movie 2334 i'm sorry 2335 days nice i give this movie a strawberry margarita prepared by cole and i don't care who judges my drink choice it is in my nature to like this drink <laughs> that's really good <laughs> um okay so that is it for the crying game i hope everyone enjoyed it uh what's next joey next movie we're doing is a clockwork orange and my good friend nick heredia uh will be joining us to talk about a clockwork orange and uh he's a big fan of this movie i've never seen it You've obviously seen it, right, Joey? I've seen it. So we'll have a mix of perspectives coming to that next episode, so you can look forward to that. But that wraps up this episode for Affable Chat. I'm Benjamin. And I'm Joey. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to Affable Chat. We're available on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review. We would really appreciate it. If you have a question, comment, or want to request something for us to talk about, you can reach us at our Twitter account, at AffableChat, or our email, affablechat at gmail.com. Once again, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.